if this was a film set, what would you call out to get action underway? Well, I, it's kind of funny. I have a unique way of doing it. I'm one of the few people that does, does my own way. I go, I have a rap that tells the crew that we're starting. Like, here we go, stand by, pictures up, lock it up. Here we go, stand by, rolls down. Hello and welcome to Tom Meets Interesting People. This is the podcast where I'll meet everybody from nuclear engineers to voice actors and talk about their life, their work and what they are passionate about. Now, the more observant of you might notice a slight format change. That's because this episode today is not just in audio format, but we're a video podcast as well. And I promised myself when I started this, we wouldn't do that. So... There we are. That's how good I am with promises. My guest today is a genuine director. And I don't just mean any kind of director. I mean like a genuine one from Hollywood. You will know him from such stuff as Skins, CSI Miami, Desperate Housewives, and a film as well, uh, Close to Home. He also worked on Chicago PD as well, which I know my other half is a big, big fan. Sadly, in 2003, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, but he kept on working, kept on with his rigorous 14-hour shoot day routines, and he beat that uh, that rubbish cancer into submission. Um, sadly, he did have to um, hang up his uh, director's hat in 2019, as Parkinson's disease thought that it wanted to give him a go um but he is also beating that into submission we recorded this interview a little while back i have been waiting for the right time to release this and i think we are releasing it now and i hope you enjoy this is tommy burke two toms two toms yep that that's how it goes i we need to get another tom and then another tom and just have toms all the way like for the rest of this season now and we'll all be doubting Tom's. Yes, exactly. I like that. Your title, if you look at your credits in your IMDb page, is First Assistant Director. For those of us that know nothing about the film industry, what does that role do? What do you do in that role? Well, I always say it's like the former of the set. I mean, you said I was director. I always jokingly say, no, I'm an assistant director. We do the real work. Yeah. Uh, we basically are the, uh, the sergeants. You know, the director calls all the shots and we, we implement it. We schedule, we, we we put out a schedule that tells people when they're supposed to show up. We make sure everything's there on time. We're basically the, the foreman of the set. Now, something else that I wanted to ask him about as well was how did he get his start in the film industry? And this is really kind of interesting to me because it's the film industry is this kind of closed circuit almost this kind of thing that's over there in Hollywood that I don't know much about so I was really curious to hear all about his insight and all about those early first jobs well I fell into it I went to Boston College which was a business school I left Boston College went to Burlington Vermont uh missed a job by a day I uh worked in a factory worked in a lived in a house with no with no heat Burning Vermont was a half hour from the Canadian border. All we had was a pot belly stove so you could see your breath in the living room. And you could see the dog's water dish was frozen in the, in the, in the morning. Mm-hmm. But I left uh, 
Vermont came back down to Boston. I heard a thing called PA. I didn't know what a PA was. I sent sent out resumes to nine different. This is the uh, the yellow pages. If you guys can remember the yellow pages. Oh yeah, yeah. I sent um nine resumes. Only one person uh, contacted me. I went to the job. I didn't know what a PA was. I stood around. The guy, the director said, "I never want that guy in the set ever again." <laughs> I want me. So I heard what a grip truck was. Started uh, loading grip trucks. I got called for another commercial. This time I knew what I was doing. So I became working my way of being the number one PA in Boston, which is kind of like being a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And they said, you want to be an AD because I want to be an assistant director. So you got to go to LA. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of different stories about my ups and downs, which you can read in the book. Uh, but it's it's been a very certain sur- route. I think so many people can just relate to that kind of starting in just the service industry and making their way up. I know a few weeks ago when I talked to Mr. Slade, he was uh, working in a retail job. I know other people I've spoken to who are working as waiters and waitstaffs. And I think the most interesting people that I have met have been those people like Tommy who have had their career thrust upon him. So it led to my next question, where I wanted to ask about his work ethic and what does he look for in somebody to help out on his set? Well, I always said I worked the restaurant business was my biggest training ground for the film business because in case of point, when I go to another state, which doesn't have a big film infrastructure, I need a PA, which is what I was. I go to a restaurant, I see a waiter or a waitress busting their ass. I go, that's just what I need. So bust their ass, take people's garbage, smile, keep moving. That's the PA for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely think the restaurant business was helped me out a lot. Yeah. All right. Epic. Um, so you've been in the industry since since the 80s. Uh, what? <laughs> it's not that far ago it's only a few years ago um what are the big changes that you've seen during your time well it's kind of funny um the biggest thing i happened was uh, with digital so you said film yep a lot more people are doing the business without much experience because in film if you did a short film in film you when you're running the film that costs money you got to know what you're doing now with digital anyone does it so yeah, a lot of people yeah. are doing, also with social media, people are doing uh, a lot bigger. I, I left the business around uh, 2019 when real extreme things were happening. So It's kind of interesting to think of sort of the surface industry as a training ground for the film industry. I, I definitely never considered that. and Maybe that could be an interesting shift in mindset for uh, some people. But then we talked a little bit about what the big changes uh, that Tommy has seen in the film industry. And I bring up an interview that I found kind of interesting. And then he tells me a little bit of a story about the 80s. Yeah, also I heard someone say that um, commercials in the 80s was just tons of money. Yeah. Tons of money. I used to work with a music video company that did commercials too called Oil Factory. that was based in London. Mm-hmm. Worked with a lot of British people, and uh, they were—I don't know if it's still happening—but they're 
they have directors and uh and you kind of see the madness of it they, they shoot a commercial and they upload it to their to their youtube channel and a million people are watching it and that's yeah. what you're the business for to get impressions yeah so it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword you got people that don't know what they're doing but how can you argue with someone putting something on that gets a million impressions right off the bat exactly um and i think every industry has its things that rocks it um and i i, I don't know huge amount about the film industry but i've got my eye on what's happening on on internet um and with, with algorithms uh youtube recently had a really big algorithm change uh tiktok very much works on can you get people to watch your entire video and then share it and react to it uh facebook and instagram they're just going downhill um so what have been perhaps the big events and the big changes apart from going to digital that you've seen um in your time well i think the me too yeah and i think it's a lot of it and COVID. i mean that's two pretty big ones i mean i left the business before COVID kicked in um i i don't think I think I would have been bleeding through my eyeballs if I someone told me I gotta get people to set. I can only put two people in a van to get them to set. Yeah, I mean I'm very hands on. Like I would just be shoving people in the van, but you know, I'm just supposing. Um, I think for all of us, COVID was a very very scary time, and I know a lot of us were very tempted to just chuck people in the van and hope for the best. I was also kind of interested in Tommy's views of the film industry now but more interested in what direction he thought the film industry was going in. That's a good question. Um, I think the actors are going to start, uh, they're being called out a lot more because of social media. I mean, I see things on, um, uh, I in my book, I talk about the actors, some actors, I give real stories about them. A couple of, my lawyer said, yeah, I leave them in. I said, I don't want to take the chance. And there are people saying things like um, Facebook posts about the 12 worst actors in Hollywood. Like, I can't believe they're putting that out. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are being called on the carpet, more or less. Actors can't be the jerks they used to be because they'll get out a lot quicker. Yeah, I mean, there's things about actors. I can't believe the, the things they put out about it. Before, it used to be hush whispers. Yeah. You talk to those, oh, you worked in that show? What was that guy like? And now everybody knows. It is definitely interesting to talk about all of those things that were hushed whispers now coming into the light. And maybe I could have pressed further, but I chose not to. Instead, I was interested, as was my other half, who was clambering at the door during the interview, about his time on Chicago PD. It was very cold and very long. Uh, you know the reason why I left, though, don't you? Well, uh... I got Parkinson's. Yeah. So I was working, I was working 80 hour weeks and, and sometimes in January in the cold. So I said, you know, let's, I've proven to my metal. I don't need to push it anymore. That is. Um, I talk a lot about the book about Chicago PD. What a great, it was a great experience. One of the best films I ever, shows I ever worked on. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to leave because, you know, I was, it was, it's a tough show to do when you're in good health, let alone we go to Parkinson's. So I'll, I, now I concentrate on my health. Yeah, that, that's fair. And like I was Googling 
um through and it, it you could definitely tell that there's a lot of love on that set and that they are good people um and i suspect they they miss you uh quite quite a lot well i've been gone for almost five years so uh yeah four years, so yeah they, they do pretty good on themselves uh, uh, were you shooting in january in in this in at midnight yeah you know chicago pd yeah <laughs> chicago pd after this, I brought up an interview that he had done before for the PMD Alliance. And in that interview, he said, and I quote, I didn't have time for cancer and Parkinson's was just another job. So I was kind of interested to learn a little bit more about his mindset. You know, as an AD, what you, you know, one of the great thing about ADing is, you know, ADs for TV, these commercials, this film. I like TV because every every script was a whole new problems to solve, mm-hmm. like a puzzle to jigsaw. Because I schedule it. Yeah. Now you have a schedule, and someone says, "Well, someone can't someone can't shoot that day." You change the schedule. Yeah. And this is not ready. You change the schedule. I go over a schedule in the book, a, 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 you know, fake schedule. But uh, for Parkinson's, it just it's a new set of problems. You gotta work through it. I mean, I work out every day now. I mean, one of my things I like to profess prosthesize is people with Parkinson's should be working out. Yeah. That's the main thing about getting ahead of Parkinson's is it's exercising mm. and extreme exercising. So every day I do something. I just got back from the trainers. Yeah. Um what what, what does your exercise look like? Oh god, uh Friday night I walk three miles with the 20 pound vest on me. Saturday morning, I boxed in the sand. Sunday, I walked uh, along this, I lived by the beach, I walked four miles by the beach. And people say, I don't wanna do it, I have to do it. It's like, it's like I came up with a new example. It's, di- it's like dialysis, you, you gotta do it, you cannot yeah. do it. Yeah. When I got the diagnosis for cancer, I said, to the doctor, so what are we doing about it? I didn't break down. I said, it's an AD. I said, what are we doing about it? Yeah. So right into problem solution. I think walking three miles a day, boxing, going down to the beach, doing more exercise. I barely get out of my bed in the morning. And there's Tommy just running complete rings around me. And I think something I wanted to really pick up on there is a quote he said, what are we going to do about it? And that's something that I've definitely pulled a lot of inspiration from over the past few months. And the thing is, Tommy didn't stop working even after he left Chicago PD. He went on to write his autobiography, not just sunglasses and autographs, 30 years of film and television production with life and near death lessons. And I was particularly interested in a story he was going to tell me about David Bowie. It was great. I, I just started a, uh, I just started a, a film in a, my first film in LA. And David Bowie go, Berkey, that was my nickname. Berkey, call me Barry, Barry White. And he was very funny. He was very amusing. Um, but I just think I got fired off that job too. So I came to LA, got a job, got fired off it. But I didn't give up. And my main yeah. things in my book is don't give up. Try things. Get out there. Do something. Mm-hmm. If you screw up, do something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a really valuable lesson for anyone. It doesn't matter what age you are um, or what you're going through. It's almost that you've got to keep moving forward. Um, and you've got to be, or at least try to be a little bit better than you were yesterday. Like just improve yeah. things by 1%. And don't, don't, don't worry about screwing up. Yeah. So what? Yeah. I mean, we're all going to screw up as well. Not just sunglasses and autographs, 30 years of film and television production with life and near-death lessons. It's available on Amazon and anywhere else you might get your books. Now, when I interview my guests, I tend to have a lot of documents open on a second monitor. I will have the notes that I've made. I will have interviews that they have done before. And if they work in the film industry, I'll have their IMDb page open. And I noticed at one point during the interview, Tommy is still working and, and you're still going. I, I looked on your IMDb page. Y you took another role in 2021 for Musket. And you're just like, I'm just going to keep going. I was helping a friend. That was a, that was, that was, that was a thing of love. Yeah. That was a thing of love. I mean, the, my friend of mine is uh, Sam Horowitz, the Russian concussion. Watch him. He's going places. He's a writer now. He did a... He was a he was a gang member in Chicago. He was yeah. a drug addict. He went to prison for eight years, and now he's a writer on a hit TV show. Epic. That's something you should follow, Sammy Horowitz. I will do. Uh, definitely look at his page now. Um, tell me about uh, tell me about the show itself. Tell me about Musket. What what can you share on this podcast? Well, I I don't want to give away too much. I want you to see the the the, the, the clip itself. It's it's a short film. It's really good. Um, it's based on his play he wrote. Uh, it's it's amazing. You should you should watch it. All right, epic. So that's that's everybody's homework. Go watch. Uh, go watch Musket. Um, go read the book. And the podcast too. Yeah, and oh, what's his podcast? Same same. Not just sunglasses, autographs. I haven't done it for a while, but I did about I think seventeen episodes. I love the story that Sammy has as well. Go check out uh, Musket. Now, we ended the interview, as always, with every other interview, with the Prost questionnaire. These were later adapted by Bernard Pivot and then taken by James Lipton. And I will present my Hollywood version to Tommy. What is your favorite word? Hope. Hope. I think that's been a theme as well for you, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. What is your least favorite word? Can't. Can't. Yeah. I think I think we're in agreement there. What engages you? A challenge. I think you've been faced with challenges as well, haven't you? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, which we've already talked a little bit about. What disengages you? Hopelessness. Giving up. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love? The sticks, uh, sticks shedding, you know, when, you, when they hit the sticks right before a shot. Oh, the clipboard that goes. Yeah. yeah. Slate, slate. Yeah. That's a good one. I want one now. Um, can I have a clipboard for a podcast? Yeah, I can have a clipboard for a podcast. What sound or noise do you hate? 
Gunfire. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, what is your favorite curse word? Can't. Can't a uh, curse word. I'm looking for a curse word. You can you go full I, out. I, I, don't, I don't swear. <laughs> fair days, fair days. All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Well, I've never I've had 40 different jobs, so I, I think I've tried everything else. Um uh talk show host. Talk show host, yeah. I think you make a great talk show host. Um what profession would you not like to do? Caddy. Because I did that, it was it was horrible. Yeah. Um is that are they the people that follow the golfers round and Yes. Yeah. I did that when I was a teenager. Yeah, that doesn't look fun. Um, final question. If you could say only one statement to any one person, what would that statement be? And who would that person be? It'd be anyone giving up on hope and say things will get better. Things will get better. What better note? What more inspiring note? to end this podcast on and i hope you enjoyed this slightly new format whether you are listening on spotify or wherever you might get your podcasts or you're watching this on youtube if you like this format let me know in the comments down below or leave a review on good pods where we are in the top 100 indie documentary all-time chart can you believe it this little podcast made top 100 who will have thought it of course don't forget to follow us on our social media on tiktok at meets interesting people instagram tom underscore meet underscore interesting underscore people twitter tom meets people where i am most active tweet at me i will tweet back i swear i am addicted to twitter and if you're listening to this on the audio format, check out our YouTube channel, Tom Meets Interesting People. We will actually see my face and you will wish that I stayed on audio format. I hope you all have a great day wherever you are. Ta-ta. You have just listened to an episode of Tom Meets Interesting People. If you'd enjoyed the show and would like to take part, or you know somebody who would make a great guest, please email me at tommeetsinterestingpeople at gmail.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Guests may provide audio content that helps to demonstrate their work. Guests have given permission for this work to be played through the use of a release form that they have signed. It is the understanding of this podcast that the material that they provide does not infringe on the copyright of others. All other rights reserved. Copyright 2022.